You're listening to the sermon audio for English Ministries at Tri-City Chinese Christian Church. We meet on Sundays at 11.30 a.m. at the Kyle Center in Port Moody, British Columbia. Good morning, everyone. We are continuing in this series in the book of Matthew, looking particularly at the spots where Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Both being the same thing, Matthew using kingdom of heaven, and the rest of the gospel writers tend to use kingdom of God. One of the primary ways that Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God to the people is through parables. And it's through these stories that Jesus shares what the kingdom of heaven is like. And there's a couple of reasons that he chooses to do so. And the uh, uh, Matthew one way says that Jesus talks this way in order to fulfill prophecy. It says, I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And this comes, uh, prophecy comes from Psalm 78, which shows an important thing that how Matthew considers actually the Old Testament. Because when we think prophecy, we think any of the prophets who are talking about things that come in the future. But for Matthew, he uses the Psalms often as Jesus acting out prophecy and so he views all of Old Testament as a prophecy about uh, talking about the coming of Jesus. So he sees Jesus fulfilling prophecy throughout the whole Testament, not things that are considered classic prophecy text. And so this is one example, which he sees it from Psalm 78, which says, My people hear my teaching. My people hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. So these stories reveal knowledge. Uh, they reveal insight. They reveal wisdom, but only to those who are truly seeking it in those stories. So earlier on in the chapter, um, so he, uh, Matthew says this is an order to fill prophecy in chapter 13, and it comes from our passage that we're going to look at today in chapter 13. But earlier on, near the end of chapter 12, he said, uh, says that Jesus speaks in these parables again to fill a prophecy, this time from Isaiah, who is a prophet. And so this is more of our classic understanding of prophecy. Uh, and he quotes from Isaiah saying, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. So they can hear the story, but unless they are actually looking for the meaning, unless they're actually looking for the reality of the kingdom of God that Jesus is sharing about, they will miss the point. They will remain blind to be what's being said, unless they're particularly paying attention for the message. So the example that comes to me recently is Kayla and I have binge-watched The Office probably for like the eighth or ninth or tenth time that we watched the whole series. So we did it for the last couple months, uh, going through the whole thing. And then now I'm also listening to the podcast, which is The Office Ladies, which is Jenna Fisher, who plays Pam, and Angela Kingsley, who plays Angela. And they're going through all the behind-scenes stuff in, the, in the, the story. And there's so many things that they're bringing out that are just subtle things that they did to advance the story that, despite having watched the series like 10 times, I've never picked up on but they are now going, they have the background knowledge that other people pick up because they're looking through these lenses at the story. 
so for example, one of the big things that the cinematographer does is in their little talking heads when they do the interviews uh, which the, with the characters in that mockumentary style. They say that people who have, have interviews on a back wall facing a window outside are characters who have a future outside of the Dunder Mifflin company. And those who have an interview that face inside the office, their whole future is in Dunder Mifflin as the office. So now that you watch, you see that Jim is the only one that has interviews facing the outside because he is this future outside of Dunder Mifflin and everyone else's faces inside the office, except for when Pam does an interview with Jim because her future with Jim is outside, but when she's by herself, she's still facing the office. Her future without Jim is still the office. Never would have picked it up until they had shared this, that it was a very purposeful thing that they did. Similar idea that Jesus is doing his stories. Unless you're actually looking for these meanings and have the right lens, which the Spirit can give at the story, then you can miss the message that Jesus is sharing. So this allows Jesus to share this message to those who are seeking uh, the, the truth in what he's saying, but also protect himself from the opposition of those who are opposing the message that he's giving. And this is the purpose of the parables. And this is particularly to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, who are trying to catch him in his words. He's able to share these stories that has these meanings that the Pharisees won't like, but the Pharisees don't quite pick up because they're not, don't have the lens to pick uh, up what Jesus is saying until Jesus is ready for his time to come and then he really ticks off the religious leaders and gets arrested and killed down the road. So, this all points to another reason that Jesus uses parables, which is that storytelling is this powerful way of sharing the truth. It's stories that stick with us more than just the bare facts. We don't remember how many of each tribe of Israel joined Joshua to go fight these battles, but we remember the walls of Jericho falling down and the story that comes with that. We don't remember the measurements that David set out for the temple or even all the battles that David won, but we remember the story of David and Goliath. These stories are what stick with us. I can use words to talk about the power of the Spirit to you, but a story of my experience with it, of being in a church in Fort St. John, going into a children's ministry Sunday school room uh, in the middle of the night because I felt led to pray, and then the power, feeling the power of the presence there that my head was on the little mini preschooler table that I knelt down to, uh, and just not being able to lift it because of that power and presence, but at the same time feeling peace and feeling completely safe would strike home more than me just saying, the spirit is powerful and the feeling the power of its presence. We remember stories that we hear um, or that we watch or that we read. And that's what sticks with us. And so that's why Jesus shares about the kingdom in parables. It sticks with people more than saying the kingdom is really big. The kingdom is really powerful. The kingdom is ruled by God. So this morning, and actually next week as well, we're going to look at a few of these parables that Jesus shares. And the ones we're looking at today are just two brief par parables that he shares in Matthew 13, 31 to 35. And that is where I will read from here. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, 
so that the birds will come and perch in its branches. He's told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was, what was, so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So these two parables are saying something similar about the kingdom, but have slightly different nuances to it. So first we have the parable of mustard seed, a very well-known parable, at least within uh, Christian circles. And so he says the, par- uh, the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds, not literally the smallest seed during that time. The orchid seed, they say, is, was smaller than it, but it is definitely in the category of smallest seeds. The reason Jesus doesn't use the orchid seed uh, is because it doesn't grow very tall, whereas the mustard seed does grow into a large um, bush, uh, three to four meters tall it can grow to. So the whole purpose of it is it's something that's really small that grows into something big, hence not the orchid seed. So he's saying that the kingdom of heaven has come near, but to many it might not seem like it's that mighty of a kingdom through Jesus' work so far. Jesus has a small group of followers. They are going about and they're healing the blind, the deaf, the mute. They're casting out demons. But they're doing this all among the poor and the outcasts, people with no political or social power. So these ones weren't as impressive of miracles as, say, if he was to turn stones into bread and feed all the people, or if he was to go to the top of the temple and jump off and be caught by angels in front of the religious elite as the devil had tempted him in the wilderness. These are much smaller uh, and to those who have power, insignificant miracles because they're just healings of poor, outcasted people. But Jesus is saying that through this, though this movement may seem small and insignificant, much like his mustard seed seems small and insignificant, from this small movement will sprout this mighty kingdom. And so this parable actually has lots of Old Testament echoes, hence why he calls the mustard seed grows into a tree when scientifically it's more growing into a bush. But the tree has these images uh, from the Old Testament, particularly about these uh, birds that nest in its branches, all come from Old Testament, particularly in Ezekiel and Daniel. So in Ezekiel 17, it says this, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the forest will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. I dry up the green tree and make the dry trees flourish. Lots of tree imagery, birds nesting in the branches, very reflective of what Jesus is saying. Uh, Daniel in chapter 4 says this. Daniel's talking to King Nebuchadnezzar in this passage. The tree you saw in his dream, which grew large and strong with its tops touching the sky, visible to the whole earth with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds, 
Your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. So Jesus is using all this imagery to bring about the kingdom of God. And all this imagery in the Old Testament refers to great empires that grow big and strong and mighty and provides protection for all of those who find themselves under the reign of this empire. And so God is using these imageries, uh, images. Uh, Ezekiel is applying it to Babylon, as is Daniel talking about Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, this great empire. Though, though Israel is exiled to them, is told in Jeremiah to seek the welfare of the city of Babylon because it's protecting them during this time of exile and to set down roots. So this mighty kingdom that provides these nesting for the birds, the kingdom of God will be a similar thing. Though it may seem small, it's going to grow into this great kingdom in which people will find home and belonging and protection under. So Jesus is trying to encourage his followers in this. Uh, and he needs to encourage them uh, because as George, uh, New Testament scholar George Eldon Ladd says this, the mighty irresistible character of the eschatological kingdom was understood by all Jews. Eschatological really tough word to say, uh, means the end times. Eschatology is a study of the end times. So their understanding of this full coming of the kingdom of God is understood by all Jews. The coming of the kingdom would mean a complete change in the order of things. The present evil order of the world and of society would be utterly displaced by the kingdom of God. The problem was that Jesus' ministry initiated no such transformation. He preached the presence of the kingdom of God, but the world went on as before. How then could this be the kingdom? So his followers come, and many of the people who are hearing Jesus preach, and they need this encouragement from Jesus that though this seems small, it's going to grow big because of their expectations of what this Messiah was supposed to come and do. They're looking for someone to come and restore Israel's greatness. Someone like David, who ushered in this golden age of Israel as a political kingdom. Um, so someone else was going to come and bring in the kingdom of Israel as a political, physical kingdom on earth. And bring another golden age, much like David did. But this time, this golden age wouldn't collapse. This is permanent now. And so this meant taking up arms and getting rid of whatever the oppressive force was, this being Rome. Um, but Jesus doesn't usher in such a thing. He starts his ministry not by getting a mob together and equipping them with weapons, but he starts by calling an inner circle of 12 people. He hasn't picked up a sword, but instead he goes to the social outcasts and he's teaching and healing them. He's not speaking in the political power center of Jerusalem, but instead out in Galilee in the farmlands where the poor and the outcasts live. He hasn't even really addressed the Romans at all. In fact, his critique and his harsh words are all directed to religious leaders themselves, the Pharisees, who were very popular amongst the people themselves. So Jesus isn't meeting any of these expectations. And he's just working in these small things. So how can this kingdom that's supposed to get rid of the Romans and all this great evil come through such a ragtag group of fishermen and tax collectors and zealots? But Jesus tells him that it's through this small movement that the kingdom will rise and provide a shelter for all who seek it. 
And he reiterates this again in his parable of the yeast. A woman takes a massive amount of dough, they say probably about enough to feed 100 people uh, with it, and she just needs a little bit of yeast to put in it, and as she works it through, it will permeate the entirety of the dough. None of that dough is going to be unyeasted. Again, it's a small amount becoming part of something larger. But here, instead of just this tree growing, uh, trees don't kind of envelop the entirety of the earth. It's in a very local spot. So here, Jesus is showing this permeation that eventually this kingdom will take over the entirety of the world, much like the yeast takes over the entirety of the dough. Again, they may be a small group, but eventually the kingdom of heaven won't just be this mighty empire which people can come and nest in, but that it will actually envelop the entirety of the globe. So the encouragement that we can find from these two short little parables is that often we think we can't contribute to the kingdom of heaven breaking in because we can't do these big, massive, giant things. We can't be a Billy Graham that travels across North America and the globe and sets up these tents and preaches to hundreds of thousands of people, all leading them to Christ in these great crusades. We can't feed all the hungry people in the world. We can't just by ourselves bring a solution to climate change. We can't do all these big things. So how can we contribute to the kingdom of God? But Jesus doesn't look at us and call all of us to do these giant, enormous, big things. Rather, he calls us to do the small things that will eventually grow into that tree of the kingdom. These small things that will eventually permeate through the whole of the earth as it does in the dough with yeast. It is in these small things that the kingdom of heaven actually draws near, where God works and grows it into something uh, that aligns with his kingdom. So it is these small things that we are called to do that can eventually spread this kingdom amongst us. It's in having a conversation with a friend about how Jesus has changed our lives and how he wants to transform theirs too. It's in giving a meal to a person who cannot afford their food or buying groceries for a struggling uh, single parent. It's in carpooling and recycling to care for our planet or things like those. It's in these small things that we can do that eternal significance can be found. The small things done on behalf of the kingdom of God grows into that great tree of the kingdom, which all who those who seek refuge can find in it. It is in those small things on behalf of the kingdom that the yeast permeates the entire batch to make this bread of life. So we're not all called to solve world hunger, to solve climate change, to convert entire nations or neighborhoods or cities into Christ, but it's those small actions that we work towards that build up to get glimpses of those king, that kingdom that will eventually come in its entirety through the power of the Spirit. So as we go into uh, the song of response and reflection, uh, some questions that we can reflect on uh, to put into practice these things are, what are the small things that God is calling us to this afternoon, this week, this month? And in what ways are we contributing to the drawing near the kingdom, whether they're big things or small things?